I'm so grateful to all of you who submitted questions uh, for today. And it's no surprise that the majority of the questions are pandemic related. So we're gonna start there with some uh, sort of logistics that are um, just really clear cut. And then we'll move into the, the harder questions as we go. So the first question that we got is just, when will, we be, when will we be able to just show up at church and not have to register online? And the answer to that is you can do that anytime. You have always been able to do that. We have never turned anyone away at the door because they didn't pre-register. But we started doing registration online uh, when we opened back up in June for three reasons. And one of those is that we wanted to make sure we could limit capacity. When we first opened back up in June, we were um, really clear that we wanted to stay under 25% of room capacity, which is actually if, the, if that gray wall is open, our room capacity is over 400. So, I mean, our official capacity. I don't know that we'd want 400 people in here. That'd be a little bit uncomfortable even pre-COVID. Um, but that's the, the fire marshal capacity. So we wanted to keep that down. And by having pre-registration, we could do that really easily. We could see who's coming. The second reason is that when we first opened, we were providing what I, what I like to call specialized seating, meaning that if you registered as a group of three, you'd have a pod of three chairs when you arrived, and that's where you'd sit. And if you didn't pre-register, there was no way for us to know how to set the chairs up. And so that was really helpful. Um, but the third thing is that King County Public Health has asked all faith communities to continue keeping clear records of who participates in any uh, worship event uh, for contact tracing purposes. And we have agreed to do that. They've asked that of us. Um, it's not a hard thing for us to do. And free registration is the easiest way to do that, in part because when you register, any of you who have registered online, You've seen that you also have to agree when you register that you're not going to come to church if you have COVID or if you've been exposed to it. And that if you, it turns out you uh, have a positive test after you leave church, you'll let us know so that we can tell other people that they may have been exposed. Um, and so that's just a lot easier to do online before you arrive. But we moved into our next phase of reopening as of August 1st. And at that time, we shared with you, we're lifting that capacity we have not come close to even 25% capacity of this room since we reopened in June, so we're not worried about being overrun with people. So um, we're not limiting capacity anymore, and we've gone back to sitting in rows and just asked you to sort of leave space between households. So we don't have to set up special chairs anymore, but we're still doing contact tracing, which is why we have you sign in at the front door when you arrive. And the fastest way to get through sign-in is if you pre-register and your name is already on the sheet. Um, if you don't want to pre-register and you want to write your name and your contact information down every Sunday when you come in the door, that is A-OK. -okay. I just suggest you maybe come a couple minutes earlier because that takes longer. Um, and I'll let you know that we, we have considered going back to having the connection card in the bulletin that you fill out instead of having sign-in at the door. But on our very best days, pre-COVID, only about 60% of you wrote on those cards and turned them in. So we don't think that's actually the best way to do contact tracing if we need to know everybody who's in the room. So for the time being, we'll continue having sign-in at the door, and the fastest way to get through that is to pre-register online. So you don't have to, but it speeds things up when you get here. The second question is a really good one, and it was, is it safe for me to come to church? Is it safe for me to bring my kids to church if they're unvaccinated? And that's a great question. It's one that you have to decide. 
For every household, it's going to be a different sort of weighing of risks and benefits. The risks of uh, possible COVID exposure and the benefits of being in person for that spiritual, relational, emotional, mental health boost. Um, I know that for me and my family, and not trying to throw my family under the bus, so for me in particular, when I'm worshiping at home, it's really hard for me to pay attention. Um, and I start doing all kinds of other things. And I know for our family, for my kids included, um, worship at home online often means them sort of going in and out of the room and making breakfast and playing with Legos and doing a whole bunch of other stuff that is not really um, lending to their spiritual growth. And yet, when they're here, they are much more focused. Um, and we believe that's really important for them and the risks for us, for our family, including our unvaccinated son, outweigh, or the benefits outweigh the risks. That's something that every household has to decide for yourselves. For some of you, the risk of exposure is far too high, and so you're not going to come in person. And that's, that's okay. We understand that, and that's why we're doing the live stream. But um, that being said, I think that coming to church is actually one of the safest group activities that you can do in our community, and I'll tell you why. Um, one is that eligible folks in our congregation are almost 100% vaccinated. We haven't found anybody who is a regular attender at our church who hasn't been vaccinated if they're eligible. Um, and that is a higher rate of vaccination that you're going to find than you're going to find in any public school in our uh, region. So for, for that, in that sense, bringing your children to church um, has a lower risk of encountering unvaccinated people than going to school in person. Um, also, we require masks for every gathering unless Every person in the gathering is vaccinated. So if you have an unvaccinated child, they will not encounter an unvaccinated person in a small group uh, without a mask. They won't encounter anyone without a mask at church uh, in a small group. So we're very um, clear about that. We also have great airflow in our sanctuary. One of the things designers of this room did especially well without knowing they needed to was design it with lots of airflow on all sides. That's something most sanctuaries in our area don't have and people are struggling with. In addition, all of our classrooms are being equipped with air purifiers. And when the weather turns and we have to close the doors in the sanctuary, this room will have air purifiers as well. We've had to do that for our preschool to reopen. And that will be the same for classrooms for formation hour um, for our young and adult uh, classes as we go forward. So our um, airflow is really good. And frankly, we just don't stay in one place facing each other, having conversations for that long at church, which is the highest risk of exposure. So um, I actually think church is a really safe place to be in terms of coming together as a group. I think it's safer than, than going to sports practices, uh, which we also do as a family, um, than going to the grocery store, going to the Mariners game, all things that we've done, much higher risk than coming to church. So for us, we feel like the benefits outweigh the risks. Can we guarantee that you won't be exposed to COVID at church? No, we can't guarantee that in any place. The only way you can guarantee that is if you stay home and never go out and don't let anyone else in. Um, so, it, and, it, and, if, and that may be what you feel like you need to do, and we support that, and that's, again, while we're live streaming. Um, but I think it's actually, it's actually pretty safe to come to church. For my part, as the person who spends the most time unmasked in our congregation, I'm testing weekly to make sure that I don't accidentally bring COVID here uh, as an asymptomatic person. So I, I offer that to you um, as a way to keep us uh, safe. And, um, you know, I'm bringing my kids as well, including Carter, who's unvaccinated. 
I worry a lot less about him being exposed here uh, than I do about him being exposed at baseball practice. So um, we'll keep doing that. And if we need to quit baseball, we'll do that before we quit coming to church. He's not in the room, so I can say that. Um, someone asked, uh, said, the question says, I've really struggled during the pandemic. I'm stressed out and worn out. What can Faith Church do for me? That's a great question as well. Um, and there are a number of things that the church has been doing and will continue to do for all of us. Um, in those times that we feel uh, stressed out and worn out, and those times that we're, that we're feeling okay. One of those is simply prayer. We pray for you. We pray for the world. Um, we continue to hold one another in prayer and to, to give that um, perspective of being together with people all over the world in prayer, not only for the end of COVID, but for us individually and for all the other struggles that our world is facing. But part of that is just being in community. One of the things the church offers is a reminder that you're not alone, that if you're stressed out and worn out, probably somebody else has been there too, and we can get through this together, and you don't have to do it by yourself. Um, we also offer, of course, pastoral and congregational care support. Our congregational care team is, frankly, amazing. They do a fantastic job. If you have any need, um, you can call the church, and Pam's in charge of our congregational care, and she will take care of it um, and get you what you need. And that's just part of how we live together in community as, as a people. Um, small group relationships are, are really important when you're stressed out and worn out, being in relationship with other people who can hold that hope for you when you have lost it. And we'll have more of those groups forming with our new formation hour schedule uh, next month. So I encourage you to be part of that. Also want to remind you that um, the church has engaged with a company called Uliance, which is like, um, what do you call it at work, EAP? What does that stand for? I don't know what it stands for. Employee Assistance Program. Thank you. Y'all are not employees, uh, but that's what they call it. Um, but we've engaged that for all of you, for anyone who is a participant at Faith Church. You don't need to be a member. Um, the number is always in our Friday newsletter. You can call their 1-800 number at any time, and Alliance will um, connect you with a counselor or any other support that you need for free. And that's just a part of our a way that we can care for you. Um, or if you need other resources for mental health, um, some legal resources, financial planning, they offer all kinds of things. Um, and that's just a part of, of how we can care for one another. So if you are struggling, particularly with mental health, I encourage you to call Uliance. That's totally anonymous. Nobody at church gets a report of who's called or who's taking advantage. Um, we get a report once a quarter at, that says whether anyone has called, um, but not who. And so we encourage you to take advantage of that as you can. And the last thing I'll say is I just think that church is a really important, uh, one of the things that church can do for us when we are stressed out and worn out is to remind us of the whole history of God's faithfulness. And that's something that, that we might put way down on the list of priority, but I think is actually so, so important. That in a time like this, when it feels unprecedented, and we hear that word all the time, we can remember the whole history of God's activity in the world and all the ways that God has been present in our lives and in the lives of people who have come before us, and how God has continued uh, to be faithful through everything that our world has been through for all this time. And just reminding ourselves of that story can help us to put things in perspective and give us more hope that there is a brighter day ahead. Um, I think one of the th there, are, there are two songs that I keep singing in um, 
those prayer times I do on Facebook three days a week, which I don't know if you ever listen to those. You, you, you certainly don't have to. It's really helpful to me to do it, uh, to have to sit down three times a week for 20 minutes and read scripture and sing and pray. And it helps to, to keep me uh, grounded and focused. And there are two songs I keep repeating that I keep, that I, eventually I just have to say, I know we just did this one, but I'm going to do it again. Um, and, and one of those is the old, old hymn, Oh God, Our Help in Ages Past. And I keep singing that, and it's been such a help to me when I'm stressed out and worn out um, to remember the whole history of, of salvation. That we, we sing, Oh God, Our Help in Ages Past, Our Hope for Years to Come, Our Shelter from the Stormy Blast in Our Eternal Home. And that whole hymn is about how God has always shown up for us. And God will continue to show up for us. And I think that's, that's just a really important part of our shared story to remember. But the other one that I keep singing is uh, one that I just learned not too long ago by a um, current singer-songwriter, Sandra McCracken, who writes primarily straight out of the Psalms. And she sings, we will feast in the house of Zion. And so I keep remembering that there's a promise for better days, even if it's not just the end of COVID and going back to, you know, outdoor concerts or whatever it is that we miss. Um, but we will feast in the house of Zion. We will sing with our hearts restored. He has done great things, we will say together. We will feast and weep no more. And those are the things that the church can remind us of uh, that we share together as we hope for a better future. One person asked what's been the most difficult thing about pastoring during a pandemic. And um, I could answer this a lot of ways. But I think... Um, when it comes right down to it, the, the very hardest thing has been not seeing you. Not knowing what's going on in your lives. Um, I haven't told the story too often that when I first moved to Seattle and got, got on staff at a church, I was in Christian education and I intended to go sort of the Christian education route. I wanted to teach and write curriculum and study how people learn, especially in the church. I had no interest in being the pastor of a local church. Um, I did not want to preach ever. Uh, I didn't want to be on call for people. Uh, it just seemed too overwhelming. And I got on, on staff as a director of Christian education. We call it spiritual formation um, at a church downtown Seattle. And it took about two weeks before I realized that I was insanely jealous of the relationships that the pastors had with the people. And those were relationships that I could not have as a staff person. And so after those two weeks, when I, made that, when I had that sort of realization, I shifted my focus and went toward pastoral ministry. And it has all been about the relationships ever since. I mean, I love leading worship. I love preaching. Um, but the reason that is meaningful is because I have relationships with you. And I, I know some of what's going on in your lives. And you invite me in to really tender places in your lives. And the, the absolute most difficult thing about pastoring during pandemic is not being in as close relationship as we have had before. Um, it was tough to learn to preach to a camera, but um, Pastor David made that uh, palatable. Uh, we had great rapport and told lots of jokes on Fridays when we were doing uh, pre-recorded worship. Um, it's so nice to have so many of you back in person um, and to be able to interact some online with others, but that's still the hardest thing, just not getting to see you all. Um, uh, flip side of that question, what are you most proud of uh, for, for our church during the pandemic? And I think two things immediately come to mind. One is um, right after we saw that pandemic wasn't going to be something that lasted a couple of weeks and we'd be back to normal, um, I literally sat down with the church directory and mapped you all out on a map 
and stuck you in groups and said, here, this is your neighborhood group now. Uh, please be in touch with each other on a regular basis. And that's sort of all the instruction you got. And um, a few of those groups didn't really take off. And a few of you said, I don't really need this. I have lots of connections. Um, but most of those neighborhood groups really bonded and really shared life together. Um, and people who never knew each other at all, but who might have lived just around the corner, have become a huge part of each other's lives. And I'm really, really proud of that. I think that has, um, that has a potential to change our community as we go forward. And I hope that that's something that we continue to invest in over the next few years, even after um, the, worst of, the worst crisis of pandemic is over. I hope we continue to invest in our neighborhoods uh, in that way. So that's something I'm really proud of. The other is just our leadership, our staff and our volunteer leadership, and the, and the way we've been flexible and been willing to try new things. I think it would have been so easy for us to find one thing that worked like for online worship, and as soon as we got there to say, this is it, we found our thing, and we're not going to try anything else. And instead, we have continued to grow and try, and you've been incredibly gracious as all of those attempts didn't go as well as some others. Um, but I'm just so proud of our church being willing to try things to help you grow in your walk of discipleship um, throughout this extended period of time. I'm really proud of our staff and all, the, all that they have learned um, to make this possible, to make it work, um, so that we're still connected even after this, this long uh, period of cra crazy, um, that we haven't been complacent and we haven't let things get stagnant. Um, I'm really, really proud of that. There are two other questions that are not about pandemic. Um, one of them is about the wider denomination, the United Methodist Church, and LGBTQ plus inclusion, and how that all affects our church. One person, there, multiple people asked this, uh, a question in this arena. One person said, I noticed there's another UMC not that far from here, and their pastor's openly gay. How does that work? Um, and that's a similar part of sort of the same question. So you might remember that the United Methodist Church's official stance is that the practice of homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching. And that is a phrase that was added to our, our book of law, which we call the book of discipline uh, in the 1970s and was controversial even then. And we've been fighting about it ever since. So now for 40 years, we've been fighting about that, 50 years. Um, and we expected a general conference, which is the worldwide gathering of delegates from all over the world, all over the United Methodist Church. We expected to gather in the summer of 2020 uh, to vote to split the church. That was absolutely the expectation that folks who had a very traditional view of the way we read scripture, particularly in regard to LGBTQ plus inclusion, would split off and form a more traditional denomination of Methodists, and the remaining United Methodist Church would then vote to become more progressive, um, to take that phrasing out of our rule book, and, but we're not sure how far uh, progressive the remaining church would go, whether it became kind of moderate or very progressive. And, and I could give you the details of all that at another time, but it's, it's kind of complicated. Of course, that didn't happen in the summer of 2020, so that conference was delayed until, um, like right now, it should be right now. Um, it got delayed again to this time next year, and it's looking probably like that won't happen either. And so um, the 2020 conference will probably, instead of being delayed, be canceled, um, and we'll meet in 2024. 
That's conjecture on my part. Nobody has made that official. Um, in the meantime, while we're waiting for this split to happen, um, many, not all, but many traditional uh, United Methodists have agreed not to what's called file charges against clergy, either for being or identifying as LGBTQ+, or uh, for presiding over ordinations or marriages of same-gender people. So that's still happening. It's still against the rules, both to um, practice only homosexuality, because the, the rule is so old that we didn't have the whole acronym, acronym of LGBTQ uh, at the time. Um, and technically, we still can't preside, we Methodist clergy still can't preside over same-gender weddings. Though, um, that, is, that is happening, for sure, in, in multiple parts of the world, and especially in the Western United States. And most of the time, there's no repercussions for that. Sometimes, um, there's a process followed called filing charges against the clergy, and that goes to our leadership, to our bishops. And most of the time in the West, if that goes to our bishops, they don't do much because they are also progressive. So um, the whole Western United States, not unanimously, but a vast majority agreed years ago that we would not follow the discipline when it comes to LGBTQ issues. And so most of the Western part of the United States of the UMC is living as if that part of the discipline did not exist. Um, and the Pacific Northwest Conference has done that for many, many years. Um, that's the region that we're a part of. And so we keep moving forward. Um, so we're still in disagreement. Um, should a split occur in the way we expect it to, which would not be before next summer and probably not until after that, um, the Pacific Northwest Conference, our regional area, which is all of Washington and the northern part of Idaho, is expected to stay with the remnant UMC, or whatever we would call it, uh, after the split off, um, and become more progressive. And unless Faith Church made a concerted effort not to go with the conference, um, that would just sort of automatically happen. Um, our hope is for a process in which um, no uh, local church is required to vote to be um, progressive or moderate or traditional, um, because those kind of votes are always alienating and um, never healthy for a congregation. So we hope that that doesn't, it doesn't come to that. Um, that we'll, we'll stay in conversation about it. Our congregation still does not all sort of see eye to eye on this or any other issue. Um, but we have all agreed to be welcoming first, to love first, and then to have conversations in uh, generous and compassionate ways. And I think that's the most important thing that we could do, particularly in disagreement. And I think that is an incredible witness we can offer to the world. Um, if we can disagree and do so in love and put love and in inclusion and compassion ahead of agreement or being right, um, what an incredible witness uh, in a world that is really struggling to do that. So that will be our goal going forward. And then just one more question, and this is more of a the theology question. Um, with all of God's miracles and God's presence in the world, why do we still experience so much violence, especially sexual violence against women and children? And this is a question people have been asking in one format or another since the beginning of time. I really think um, it's what theologians call uh, theodicy, 
which is the concept of whether or not God is just. Um, or how evil can exist in the world if God is good and all-powerful and all-knowing and all the things that we, uh, that we ascribe to God. Or sometimes we even ask, if God created the whole world out of nothing, which Christians believe, then how can evil exist without God having created evil? And if God is good, how can God create evil, right? These are questions that sort of um, turn over each other, and there are not really clear answers to any of them. But just so happens this morning in my devotional time, I was listening to um, the lectionary text for today, which is from Mark 7, in which Jesus says, evil comes out of the human heart. And what he's trying to say is uh, people are, are making fun of or criticizing his disciples for not doing the ritual hand washing before they eat. And, and they're saying, how can your disciples eat with uh, defiled hands? And he says, it's not what you put in uh, that's defiled, it's what comes out. And he's saying, Jesus is saying, evil comes out of the human heart. It's, it's in us. And that's the best answer that I have to how God can be present in our world and evil, um, particularly in the form of violence, still exists. And it's because in creating us humanity in God's image, God created us with free will. Because God is free, then to be in God's image means we too are free. But because we are not God, even though sometimes we have trouble believing that, because we are not God, we don't always use our freedom for good the way God does. And so sometimes evil comes from our human hearts and it exists in the world as things like violence and oppression. So... But what gives me hope and why I do what I do, what I've, why I've given my life to the work of God in the world through the church, is that I believe God's love has the power to change the world. And in fact, I think it's the only thing that can. Because if people truly believe in their own belovedness, if they begin to understand their own belovedness, then we begin to see others as beloved too. And that changes the way we interact. And it means we no longer try to use people. Instead, we work for the thriving of all creation. And so um, my response to you is keep loving. To keep sharing God's love. We may not be able to eradicate evil in the world in our lifetime. But it will absolutely make a difference for the better. Because God's love has power in my life and in your life and in the world. It truly makes a difference. May it be so. Amen.